This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. And we're back. The five on three crew. Two of us retained from last year. I'm Jack Caldwell. I've got Chris Hennessy right here to my right. And across from us, a new slash old member of five on three. I'd say an old podcast member, but new to five on three. That is the one, the only, Jimmy Sullivan. So, Jimmy, I'm going to ask you first. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm not an NHL beat reporter, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night, so I feel as though I'm qualified to be here. Well, you were a Devils reporter last I year. I was, yes. So, and and there's a true story when I when I covered the Devils last year. So they obviously got the number one pick, right? So they were they were one of the worst teams in the league. They won the lottery. They were not the worst team in the league. The Ottawa Senators were. But I covered eight Devils games last year. They were seven zero and one. Wow! Yep. Yeah, the one loss. They basically only won when Jimmy was in the building. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The one OT loss they played Nashville in October, and I wasn't counting that because one, Nashville's really good, and two, it's October. <laughs> so you know what? To me, they were undefeated, and they Love were that. undefeated in my heart too. So that's what matters. <laughs> Chris, a bit of a a dicey time period. The last four months or so, we were last together technically. In like June, Chris and Jackson did an episode, and I called in from my back porch. But uh, the last time we were together was early May, but I know we've had some issues with posting. So technically, we haven't joined you, the listener, since about April. So, Chris, how about give us a little summary of how your life as an Islander fan <laughs> well, has been? Uh, it's been pretty good. You know, after the we talked about the loss of the Hurricanes, I think that was the last thing we really we really talked about. But the off season was. Um, Interesting for all three teams, especially the Islanders kind of uh, staying still. So we'll talk about all of that. But the cup final was awesome, and the offseason was interesting. So we'll get yeah, into that all of that Blues today. Bruins was so fun. I know Jimmy and I got to interview Doc Emmerich during one-on-one during the finals. What can you remember from that interview, Jimmy, some of the cool tidbits that he shared? I remember that interview was the day before Game 6 of the final. Yeah, right, and yeah, I predicted six was on a my prediction was totally wrong because <laughs> I— uh, the Blues were down 3-2 at that point. No, they were up 3-2. No, they were they were up up they lost I, at home and then one on the road. Yeah, and I said the opposite. So <laughs> what yeah. do I know? But, it, yeah, and I remember talking to him, and St. Louis got, like, hockey fever last yeah. year. I mean, yep. that's a great hockey city. It's just that team. It was funny, too, to look at the Blues, like, really over the last 50 years. They were never bad enough to have a genuine rebuild and, like, get top picks and go back to being one of the top teams in the league, but they were also never good enough to compete for Stanley Cup titles. The Blues were there. Mm-hmm. But that was it. And last year, of course, they get hot. Jordan Bennington stands on his head in the Stanley Cup final, and they wind up winning their first ever championship, and uh, a really impressive feat for them. And I, please forgive me, I must hit the music. <laughs> Turn it up, Jimmy. <laughs> this was their victory song, in case you didn't know, but obviously you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was. The Blues was one of the great Cinderella runs, and yeah, you know, I remember watching Game Seven and just rooting so hard for the Blues. And I'm not a Blues fan, but you, I mean, it was one of those you couldn't help yourself to root. For they're the Blues, going up right? against the Bruins. Well, yeah. First off, they're playing Boston. They're going up against the Evil Empire, a city that had already won two rings in the last six months. Nobody wanted to see that city get another parade unless you lived in Boston. The Blues were that team that was in last place in January third. We heard it a million times. And another thing that. I don't think I'm just an- going to leave this on. By the that's way. that's <laughs> good. I'm not complaining. Another aspect I don't think that got 
enough mentions during that whole run was the fact that St. Louis lost their football team two years before. Yep. That was a big football city, and they did not lose the Rams because of fan support. So you have this city that came together that was still, in a sense, mourning losing one of their favorite teams, and then those kind of stranded fans coming together and finding a new passion and bonding over hockey. I think it was really cool. And you think about St. Louis, too, as a baseball town. Right. The yeah, Cardinals yeah. are an American institution. Other than the Yankees, probably the foremost franchise in the history of baseball. Mm -hmm. And for a month or two months, you know, that turned into a hockey city. And that's what we've seen happen in, you know, certainly other places like the one I always think of is Nashville a couple years yep. ago when they went to the playoffs. D.C. D.C. too, like those cities have gotten hockey bad. Even Vegas, I think, to an mm -hmm. extent as well. So it's great to see when these teams are good. You know, the fans are obviously going to show out and... God, Blues fans, they deserve this because it's literally been 50 years since they yep. even competed for one of these. And Hey, I mean, good for the Blues. They're going to have a tough task uh, replicating that performance this year. Granted, a weak Western Conference. We're going to have more preview stuff later. But, you know, the Blues, uh, one of the great Cinderella stories, I think, in recent times, whether it be hockey or, or any other sport. So we can fast forward now from May over to June, the NHL draft. Uh, Jimmy, what were you doing when the Devils took Hughes. Oh, I know where you were. I was at the party. You were. That's right. What, you want to tell us a little sure. bit about that? Sure. So, yeah. Hey, why not? I'm here, right? Uh, so, they, uh, it was the, it was June 21st was the draft. It was the longest day of the year. And I was down in Newark. And they, what they did was, out by the arena, there is a plaza, which they basically closed off to ticket holders, season ticket holders. You would basically buy a ticket to go in. And, Everybody knew that it was going to be Jack Hughes. Uh, the This guy came in full body paint with Jack Hughes' number one pick on the back. It was really funny to see. He had, like, the NJ Devil, like, kind of Satan-looking thing on his face. It yeah, was like, uh, like the guy from Seinfeld. It was really cool, and everybody was expecting <laughs> And everybody was, everybody was expecting it, and uh, they took Jack Hughes. The place erupted, and it was the funniest thing ever. They took Jack Hughes at number one, so this is a little after 8 o'clock because the draft started at 8. They take Jack Hughes, and everybody's gone by 8.15. <laughs> it was the most anticlimactic thing ever. You know who they're taking. They took him. Go home. Oh, That's Ranger, what happened. As a Ranger fan, I wanted to see them take Kako just to say I saw when it happened. And I had like a 40-minute drive home from work every night over the summer. It was a Friday night. I had plans to meet my friends. I was trying to race home to see it in time. And I'm stuck in traffic on the Merritt Parkway in Connecticut. and Sounds like fun. Yeah. And so I put the NHL NBC stream on my phone, plugged it into the aux cord in my car. I was literally listening to an NBC television stream on my car radio. That's intense. So That's... we go like 30 minutes in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on the Merritt. And because of the delay, it's like three minutes behind. I pull in. I go to sprint inside to watch it on my TV, and I missed it by like two Ugh. minutes. The delay got me all mixed up. And then when I went back to watch it on my phone, I missed it on there too. So, they drafted Kako, in case you're curious. Yeah. But <laughs> that is my little story of my rush home to get there in time. But I'm pretty happy. Jimmy's pretty happy. Chris? Not so much. Not so much. Uh, I mean, they're picking at the end of the draft because they made the playoffs. The so Islanders, I'm not gonna, that is. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, the Islanders, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to complain about that. Simone Holmstrom, uh, the forward that they got. But, yeah, the offseason, and we're going to get into the offseason that um, I wasn't very, and a lot of Islander fans weren't very pleased about. There was a lot of uh, players that moved teams and a lot of players that moved into the Metropolitan Division to make those teams better 
where it seems like the Islanders only downgraded at one position and stayed the same at every other. So um, we're going to get more into the offseason, but in terms of the draft, I didn't have any issue or, or anything at all, really. So the 40-point threshold has been one that I think has been thrown around a lot for both Kako and Hughes. Will they get above or below that? 40 points? 40 points. Yeah, they'll both get above that. You think they'll both get yeah, above I that? I think they will. Uh, it depends upon playing time. Yeah, it will depend upon playing time, but I think I think Kako's definitely going to get above that because I think he's going to be on a stacked first line with um, Artemi Panarin and... Um, Zibanejad. Thank you, Mickey Zibanejad. I, uh, I think Buchnevich is going to be starting on that top line. and they're, the Rangers going to move there eventually. Yeah, I think... Kako, Zibanejad, Panarin is the top Rangers line of the future, but everything everything that we've heard so far is that the Rangers are going to give Buchnevich every opportunity possible to stay on that top line, at least in the beginning of the season. I bet no he matter he played how well last year he did, and I bet no matter how well or poorly he plays, come December he'll be there. Now, if he shows some lackadaisical effort, isn't exactly playing up to his potential. Which has been the story of him his entire career up to this That's point. That's Yeah. I think you'll see him drop down and Kako take that top spot. But for now, you'll probably see Kako and Hedl on that second line. And, uh, Still. Buch- Buchne- yeah, Buchnevich uh, on a line centered by Zibanejad with Panarin to his left. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, Kako's just in a better situation to score to score more points. That's not saying Jack Hughes isn't a great player. I think he's going to get more than 42. Um, I think- I think it's fair to say that Kako is going to put up more numbers short-term, but Hughes long-term. Yeah, I think that that was kind of the consensus going in and coming out of that draft, especially with what teams they went to and their talent level up front. So do you think we should move on to free agency? Let's do it. Uh, Jimmy, how about P.K. Subban? I think that's a good place to start. That was a blockbuster move. It was really the only giant move the Devils made. We can get that out of the way. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting to look at the Devils from where they were last year because— a lot of the issues they had, you know, centered around the fact that so you look at you look at when they made the playoffs in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. People were scared to play them. They played physical. Nobody played harder than the Devils. And let's be honest, they probably played a little over their head. Um last year that came crashing back to earth in in just a spectacular manner. Um yeah. they had goalie issues. They were toggling between Corey Schneider and Keith Kincaid, and then Corey Schneider got hurt, which has kind of been the story of his career, really. And then they went to Mackenzie Blackwood. He showed some things. He had a couple good games towards the end of the calendar year of 2018, but th- nobody was scared to play the Devils last year, right? Whether it was physicality, just talent defensively, and they didn't have anybody with the cachet. Once Taylor Hall got hurt in you know November, December, whatever it was, there weren't there weren't a ton of people with the cachet of a guy like a PK Subban. Now, granted, you look at PK Subban's numbers over the last few years and it's kinda like, well, okay, I mean he's a defenseman, but you know, forty nine million dollars. Yeah, nine million dollars. That's a big hit. That's the it's an investment. Problem. That's an investment and we we'll see how it winds up working out. I mean, mm-hmm. I like him as a player. I always have particularly when the Canadians dealt him to Nashville through that whole run in 2017. He's a really solid player. He's going to help them a lot, and he's going to be a guy on you know on the back line who really helps that team out, at least in the department of, hey, we don't want to come in and play this guy for you know 19 or 20 minutes or however long he's on the ice. So that helps the Devils. I just don't know if the addition of one guy like him is going to be able to solve that because they had myriad issues last year 
kind of in all departments, which, which is why they had the number one pick, honestly. I think but, Schneider yeah. will come back. Schneider yeah. will come back. I, the thing is, it all depends on Corey Schneider, because this is the guy yeah. who's had multiple lower body injuries. Goalies usually don't come back from that. Now, he showed some signs towards the end of last year of coming back and saying, yeah, he, he could be a good player, but he's getting up there, multiple lower body injuries. You look at the equation, it doesn't look pretty. But that's not to say he can't come back. be interesting to see how they split it between him and Blackwood in New Jersey. But I think, honestly, out of the three teams this year, if I were to look at it, I think the Devils have the best shot to make the playoffs. Hmm. Interesting. Hot take. That's I mean, hot take. I've been on here for 12 minutes, and I <laughs> yeah. already dropped the hot take. <laughs> that is interesting. I mean, the P.K. Subban trade... Any team who got P.K. Subban was going to immediately be better. That's exactly. the kind of that's yeah. the kind of player he is. He's a number one top flight defenseman on just about every single team in the NHL. So the fact that the Devils go out and get him, that's only going to shore up the back line, which wasn't great last year, as Jimmy mentioned. And yeah, they, it gives the Devils a significant better chance to make the playoffs. And the other thing about P.K. Subban is he is he's fun to be around as. Not, I'm sure as a player in the locker room, obviously, but as a just a general fan of the NHL. He's fun to listen to. He he always looks like he's just having a good time on the ice, and I think that's just going to take the edge off of a team who is going to have a lot of pressure this year. A healthy Taylor Hall, two number one overall picks in Heashier and Hughes, that's going to just his kind of his open, like his his good attitude. Is general energy. Yeah. General energy. There you go. Heashier plays Jimmy. older than he is. Yes, absolutely. I think it's great for hockey in the metro area. I think the Rangers and Devils have made some great moves to bolster the popularity of their teams and the sport in the area. That being said, Subban, to me, it looks like he's been on the decline. That's what a lot of people have been saying. Yeah, he's been in the league for 10 years. He, he didn't play that well in his own end, but he's 29. He's not He's not ancient. He didn't play that well on his own end last year. He, lots of turnovers in his own end. He got 30 points in only 63 games, but you're looking at a guy who's probably going to put up 40 points not be necessarily a steadfast defender in his own end. Uh, I'm not saying he's bad or anything by any measures, but a guy who's eating up a big portion of the salary, the salary cap, to have that sort of position on the team, I don't think this is going to be the guy who's going to move the needle. And let's remember one thing, too. This is a guy who's always at or near the top in ice time in yeah. the league. So I wonder if that's not going to have his that, effect. That 29 plays older. Right. Yeah. So he might, you know, he might be in his age 30 season, basically. He's about to turn 30 if he hasn't already. He might be in his age 30 season, but he's got a lot more mud on the tires than a guy who's 32 or 33 but only plays 20 minutes of ice time a game as opposed to P.K. Subban, who, you know, the last couple of years, I think last year was 22, the year before 24, 24, and then when he was in Montreal, he played like 26 minutes yeah, a game. Yeah, Montreal, the top of the Montreal he played more minutes because Nashville has three other great defensemen who they played a lot. And that's going to be interesting, too. He's come off a couple of years now where he's been on Nashville with Ekholm um, and Ryan Ellis. And uh, the captain of Nashville, Roman Yossi, uh, just another one piece of four great defensemen. Now he is the great defenseman on the team, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that too. But. There's going to be a lot of spotlight on him, yeah, and I think that people are going to be underwhelmed, honestly. When mm -hmm. you have the spotlight on him, he's not that great in his own end in recent years. Yeah, and I just think, too, though, I mean, he was already the face of a franchise in Nashville. He kind of was. I mean, He was. He wasn't the captain, right, like you said, but when you thought Nashville Predators— a lot of people's first thought was P.K. Subban. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that pressure is just the New York market. Because the New Jersey Devils is effectively the New York market. Right. Yeah. Right? So that, that pressure is going to be interesting. But I think he's going to handle it well. I think he's a good acquisition for them. I actually do. 
I think it's good short term again. I just don't know a lot. He's got three years left, a big chunk of that cap. If a year or two from now, you've got Taylor Hall's contract coming up. No, the line. this year. This year. Contract year this year. That's what I'm saying. But in the next couple of years, not only oh, Hall, oh, but okay, other got guys. It, got it. Understood. Understood. Subban's going to be one that you're going to look at and you're going to say, mm, do we really want $9 million of this right. cap I think, I think that was him. the biggest part of this trade was that no salary was retained on the Nashville yep. side. Now, obviously, that means New Jersey didn't give really up really anything at all. They gave up a couple people you never heard of and some draft picks. But I, that was a big part of this trade for me was that Nashville retained It was no a salary. salary dump. Yeah, that's 100% what it was. Yeah, I mean, you, and that, tells yeah. You what, that tells you what Nashville thinks of Subban. And then they turned it around and signed Matt Duchesne. But yeah, and it's also the fact that Subban's getting up there too. It's it's not you're not trading for a guy who's 25, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You right. Know? You're trading for a guy who's 30, who's going to play like he's 33 or 34. I still think it's a good move. I mean, you look at the Devils' defense now. You know, he's going to play defense. You know, you got a guy like Sammy Votnin and Andy Green's a guy I've, I've liked. You know, all through last year, or so they've got some decent defensive pieces now. Still, though, it's going to come down to goalkeeping. I think. Yeah. I, not to oversimplify or po- uh, paint in broad strokes, but if your goalie play is not going to be good, it doesn't matter what P.K. Subban's doing because those those pucks are still going to find the back of the net. It's true. So speaking of defensemen, another big acquisition in the New York area. We're going to move it across the river to the Garden. Jacob Truba, my <sighs> New York Rangers, signed a big extension over the offseason. Big acquisition for the Rangers, and I, I like this one a lot, Chris. I think yeah, this was a great trade. It's a, it's a phenomenal trade. He's exactly what the Rangers needed. He can be... Uh, top pairing or a second pairing, but at worst a second pairing, probably a top pairing the next couple of years probably. defenseman. He plays both ends very well. Now he's streaky on the offensive end. I've been doing a lot of research on in terms of how how he passes the puck, his goal scoring. He puts up a lot of points, but they do come in bursts. He'll go four or five games where he'll put up six points and put the team on his back, and then he'll go ten games where he'll only put one point up on the board. So I think he could be the kind of guy who's going to drive the Blue Seeders a little nuts in that in that respect, but he's getting the big, bu- big bucks because he's playing well on his own end. That's 100% why. And mean. the Rangers are filled with defensemen who are offensive defensemen. They're filled with... Uh, well, not anymore. They cut check Kevin Shankirk. Well, yeah, but the rest, of the, the rest of the team, this is a team that is littered with, and it's not a bad thing. It's actually in many ways a good thing, but with smaller, faster European offensively-minded defensemen, and the Rangers needed a stay-at-home guy. Truba's that classic, more of a bruiser North American type who can play well in his own end, and then on top of that, he's going to give you the production. So I think it's going to be a theme throughout his next seven years here, where you're going to be hearing Ranger fans, you know, moaning about why can't he put up these crazy numbers for more than a six, seven game stretch. Well, at the end of the day, he very well could be your best stay-at-home defenseman for the next several years, and I think Ranger fans have to be really happy with it. And at the end of the day, he did have 50 points last year. So yes. a 50-point defenseman is that no is, slouch. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah. That's no, exactly, I know what you mean. That's exactly the point. I'm just saying that Ranger, a lot of the fans, look, Ranger fans have this thing where they get really upset with streaky players. It's the exact same thing as Yankee fans because there's a lot of crossover. And Chris, mm-hmm. you know, the Gary, how Gary Sanchez and Yankee fans have that love-hate relationship. I you know have what with you're them. talking about. <laughs> I'm not saying Jacob Truba is going to be the same way, but Ranger fans and Yankee fans are kind of the same about yeah, no, their I, guys. I, I know what you mean. And you he's, know how he, the fans will get. We were just talking about P.K. Subban. Jacob Truba is 25 years old, Jimmy. So uh, to me, this is a great, tra- great move for the Rangers. It's a lot of money, but it's the guy they need it because their defensive core has not been good for a long time now. You look at guys like Mark Stahl, Kevin Shattenkirk, 
um, Dan Girardi. These guys haven't been good in years, and oh, Dan Girardi's not on the Rangers anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say he's not on the Rangers anymore. He was for a long time after cor- he wasn't good. I no. didn't want to correct you because I'm the newbie here. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he isn't on. The, I know he's not on the Rangers anymore, but he wasn't good for a long time and still on the Rangers. So they have a new guy who is a really, really good defenseman. I think he could be your number one defenseman tomorrow, unless you tell me otherwise. Yeah, right? no, I think he will be for pretty much the next couple of years if they have some defensive prospects coming up in the pipeline that could unseat him. But for the rest of his contract, he's probably a top two-pairing defenseman. And like I said, he's going to put up points. He's going to go through uh, periods where he's carrying the team on his back. He also might slump offensively at different points. But generally speaking, he's going to be your best stay-at-home defenseman because the Rangers are a team with fast, offensively-minded defensemen. And he is, to me, the X factor of this team in terms of a guy who can move the puck who's going to be that steadfast guy in your own end who you can always depend on. Yeah, another thing with Truba, it's interesting, the last four seasons he was in Winnipeg. This is this season coming up, it's going to be his seventh season in the league. So this is something to watch out for. So uh, the last four seasons, games played, 2015-16-81, last year he played all 82. Yep. So I don't know if you you're not going to depend on all 82. That's insane. But if he can give you 70, 75 games a year, the durability to me is a bit of a concern just because right. it's been inconsistent. But this is a guy who has shown for Winnipeg. I mean, he's been one of their most important players over the last few years, and he's a big part of the reason why they went from not being a very good team to being a perennial playoff contender because he was there and he was helping out that defense. Yeah, I think we got to talk about Winnipeg a little bit too. Because they're obviously on the other side of this. Talk about a salary dump, boys! Oh my goodness, Ooh. they are, yeah. they are, they are moving pieces. Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine both aren't employed right now. They're both restricted free agents. Uh, Dustin Bufflin just took a leave of absence from the team. He might retire. Two, he might retire. So Winnipeg has fallen off the tracks a little bit. Two years after they were like a couple games away from the uh, Stanley Cup. Oh no, two years ago they lost to Nashville in the second round. No, they right. they they went to the conference final. They lost to Vegas in 2018. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. They were a couple games away from the Stanley Cup final. Yes. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay. Wow. They were a couple games away from the Stanley Cup final in 2018. After. Got it. Okay. So yeah, a couple years after they were a couple games away from the Stanley Cup final, they are falling off the tracks here. They don't have any of their good defense. And Tyler Myers is in Vancouver too. Can't forget about that. So there's their three best defensemen currently not in camp. And Patrick Line and Kyle Connor aren't there, so it's Blake Wheeler and a whole bunch of bums right now. Look, to me, I'm pointing to the Rangers and saying, this is why your time to win is when a lot of your best players are on their rookie deals. And I'm not saying this season is a season where you have to win, but the season after, the two, the next two seasons after that, they're going to have a ton of guys on rookie contracts. You're going to have a guy like Zabenejad who's going to be in for a big payday, who will still be on a reasonable deal. This is the Rangers' time to win. They can still take this season to miss out on the playoffs and develop, but the year after this, that's when the stakes are going to start to get really high. I was I was thinking about this the other day, and I was listening to a podcast. One of my friends at Quinnipiac, um, so shout out to those guys. They do a hockey podcast as well, and one of their guys brought up an interesting point. Um, the NHL, and, and I'm loosely paraphrasing here to, to kind of make another point, but the NHL is becoming a lot like the NFL, right? You look at the NFL teams that have won the Super Bowl over the past few years. A lot of quarterbacks on either rookie deals or Tom Brady, the Mm -hmm. discounted deal, right? NHL is getting the same way. Like, you look at the Rangers. I look at a team like Toronto, and I say they have to extend everybody, and their window is the next two or three years because other than Tavares, they have a lot of guys on. Well, Marner now has a long-term deal. Yeah, Marner now has a long-term deal as well, so they're going to have to make some choices as to who to keep and who to get rid of. But, you know, you look at 
the way the cap situation has developed in the NHL and the way player movement has changed as well, it's a lot like the NFL, like you said, Jack, where you've got to win when your guys are young. And if you do that, great. You, you capitalized on your window. You can keep more of those guys. If you don't, you're, you're going to be left stranded and empty-handed and... Yeah, all the, all those other things. Yeah. Basically. Well, there's but, one, yeah. there's one more Ranger signing we have to get into, of course, before we move on to the Isles and wrap up because I only have about five minutes left here. <laughs> but uh, you know, my guy, Chris, and I watch pretty much every game of Blue Jackets Bruins together yeah. in my little shirt hall room. Yep. And uh, pretty much any time this particular player touched the puck, I said many things about him that. Very much got under Chris's skin, and that man—that man, Still do. man is Artemi Panarin. I'm so angry. Uh, it's just so aggravating. The top line left wing of the New York top Rangers. Top line left wing of the New York Rangers. The, so the day before, if you missed this, the day before July, June 30th or June, whatever it was, the day before free agency opened, Bob McKenzie puts out a tweet that says Artemi Panarin is seriously considering signing with the New York Islanders, which it launches not only my household but my Twitter feed and everybody who I love into a absolute frenzy. Whether that be Jack freaking out because he's not going to be on the Rangers or everybody in my family freaking out because now he's going to be a New York Islander. 24 hours later, he's a New York Ranger. So that was. And he supposedly <laughs> took less, less money, money with the Rangers. Right. And then it comes out later that it takes less money to be in, with the Rangers because he wants to be on the Rangers. And uh, it's not going to be great. And uh, look, that's what life is. You're a Mets fan, Jimmy. That's, oh, what, that's, I, a, that's I, what life as, as a little brother is. And Believe I, me. I know. <laughs> and, uh, that's what life as the little brother is. And you know, well, It's all right. And uh, He's getting paid $11.6 million to play for the New York Rangers. I would have taken that, too. But I, it's... Hey, yeah, look, there's I a wanted lot... them on the Islanders, I guess is my point. <laughs> there's, a lot of things, there's a lot of things you can say about Panarin. I'll try to keep this quick. First of all, a lot of people compared this to a Marion Gabrick, a Brad Richards. The He's number, better than all of those the number, That's exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> the number of signings <laughs> the Rangers have made in recent years, big free agency acquisitions, it's all classic Rangers, and guess what? They'll Yager, be buying Yager. him out in two years. Y- Yager at least set some records. Scott Gomez, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Panarin is younger than any of those guys were. Uh, a guy like Gabrick who had injury history. Panarin has essentially no injury history, nothing significant. Uh, he's played almost the entirety of every season he's played in. He's made six games in the last four years. Exactly. Cool. Now, on top of that, the Rangers have a couple of big contracts coming off the books, well, a couple that are one, bo- yeah. bought out. You have Kreider, which is up in the air. Lundqvist coming off the books in two years. So the $11.5 million isn't going to hurt them that much, especially when Seattle enters the league. You've got the new CBA in two or three years. The cap's going to get bigger. That $11.5 million, the consensus is right now, not going to hurt the team. Panarin plays a great two-way game, almost a North American style uh, in terms of his physicality, which, again, I think the Rangers need because all of their prospects are very speed-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more points, and then I think we'll move on to the Islanders and wrap it up. Our, first of all, the majority of his assists are primary assists, so he's a great playmaker, and now is the focal point of the Rangers. He's going to make all of his players, he's going to make all of his teammates, he's going to make so Capo Caco look like Alex Ovechkin. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what he's going to do. On the- top of that, in terms of a developmental sense, the Rangers have a massive slew of Russian guys coming over from the KHL. The majority of their prospects are guys coming from Russia in the KHL. Artemi Panarin is. The next thing, next to Ovechkin in terms of 
Russian hockey gods right now to what those guys have been raised on. He is the absolute perfect role model to bring in the Russian guys and acclimate them to New York and the Rangers. So it's a perfect fit. It makes so much sense, and I'm very happy as a Ranger fan. And I do have to run, and we have to wrap up. So it's it's really funny that you're Chris saying is that in because physical pain next to me. <laughs> Semyon Varlamov. Uh, they keep saying that about him and Ilya Sorokin that they're like best buds, and now that Varlamov is an Islander, he's going to bring over Ilya Sorokin, which. Great, but uh, Varlamov isn't as good as Robin Leonard. Uh, he's not going to be as good as Robin Leonard will be this year. And they downgraded at the one position they changed in the offseason. That, that's the synopsis of it. They Look, I'm not going to complain about them re-signing their players. Jordan Eberle had a great playoffs and a great end of the season. He deserves the money. Anders Lee, great. Brock Nelson, great. You should have kept Robin Leonard. Yeah, I, that I made get, no yeah, sense. I get that, but at the same time, like that's a difficult decision, right? Would you rather have Anders Lee and all those it, guys? It wasn't a just... rather. It was not a rather at all. Because Varlamov gets yeah. Varlamov gets five years per for four years, and five Robin, million five million per uh, for four years, and Robin Leonard's on a one year contract for five million dollars. But it wasn't a, it wasn't an either or. In fairness, in fairness, all the time before Leonard came to the Islanders, there was a lot of bad on off the ice, yes, and he absolutely. got past all the bad off the ice. But I'm not, you know. It's not a given that he's going to be as good next year. I'm yeah, not, and I think that's what and Lamarillo's I think that's, that's thinking. And I, and Varlamov's I get it. terrible. Varlamov is awful. Yeah. Look at how bad. Look at how much better Colorado got when they took him out of the net. It is actually looking like two different hockey teams. It's unbelievable how bad this guy is. Maybe he just he does not deserve scenery. five million dollars a year. Robin Leonard deserves it. So why isn't he on a four-year contract with the Islanders? It's preposterous. It's a ridiculous thing to not re-sign Robin Leonard. They look. The Islanders look terrible for not resigning him. Terrible, awful. They downgraded at a position. Pretty that's much. The, that that's. This is what the Islanders do. They they didn't get better this offseason. That, that is a fact. They did not improve their hockey team this offseason. Every other team in the division did. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a step back for them because I think in many senses you were getting a best case scenario from that team from a lot of individual performances. To me, that wasn't, I said this last year, that's not the core to build on long term. Everybody you were getting the absolute best out of, and for them to all replicate that, again, best case scenario, if they all replicate that, is probably a second round exit. You never know with the NHL playoffs, but I don't know. I think this is probably a team that will make the playoffs, but I, I can't see them being a legit contender, and I can't see them being head or shoulders above the Rangers or Devils, and I think long-term they're below and behind the Rangers and Devils. The story of the New York Islanders this year, last year, and every single year before this is they need a guy who could put the puck in the back of the net. Artemi Benarin can do that. Mitch Marner can do that. Patrick Laine can do that. All those guys are not on the New York Islanders and will not be playing for the New York Islanders on October 4th. Yeah, I've got them out of the playoffs. I mean, I just don't think. Uh, everything went right standings-wise, health-wise, player uh, performance-wise last year, like you said, I think that team was over its head, and I think they're just going to miss the playoffs. That's my take. You're probably right. You're probably right. Their coaching is fantastic. Uh, you can't you can't rely on the goaltending to be as good as it was last year. It's as simple as that. You need to score more goals, and they didn't get a guy to they score more goals. They won a lot of 2-1 to one games. A yeah, lot of they did. what they played their came defense, down to Their Robin defense Leonard. was really good, and you know what? Noah Dobson's probably going to come up this year and replace a guy like Thomas Hickey or maybe even Nick Luddy, and that's going to help the defense a lot. Devontae's is now in the second season. He's a really, really good young defenseman, but this, the team is still not very good up front, and they need to score more goals. They needed to score more goals against Carolina, and they didn't, and they didn't go out and get a guy to do it in the offseason. So. I think, that. I think that about sums it up. We could have Chris rant all day yeah, about the Islanders, of but we, could. we will next week when we have a bit more time.
For Jimmy Sullivan and Chris Hennessy, I'm Jack Caldwell on this edition of Five on Three.